Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Continuing on a, um, a series that we started last time we were together on this, uh, Mean People and What to Do About Them. Um, <laughs> and as I said, and I was serious, if it was, if it was my doing, I would have called this Bad People uh, and What to Do to Them. That's what my preference would have been. But I thought if I would have called it Bad People and What to Do to Them, um, I probably would have got arrested because I would have been giving you ideas about how to hurt people <laughs> and stuff, egg people's houses, you know, slash their tires, uh, different kind of things you want to do. Uh, a pastor that I know uh, had uh, sent me uh, an email on this message and said, here, here's my notes, you know, uh, you should teach this in your church because it's helpful not just for the adults, but it's helpful for us as adults who have got kids to teach our kids how to deal with mean people because the reality is uh, all of us you and I have run into mean people, and our kids are going to experience mean people in their life. And so we kind of need to know, you know, how do we respond to that? What do we do with this? And, uh, and, and, and what should be the correct thing? And, and again, we're talking about mean people, uh, kind of for a definition of it. You know, these are kind of like the unpleasant people. Um, these are like the deceptive people that you run into, the people that control us, the, the people that... Um, uh, they control our time, they control our money, maybe they control uh, your children. Uh, we're not talking about, um, you know, people that are, are uh, sexual predators or, or something like that or something illegal. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about people that are mean, um, people that uh, when you see them in the hallway, you know, when you're walking through Walmart, you see them, you're like, ah, oh, I just don't want to talk to that person. Or you, you kind of like avoid them. Um, those kind of people. Of course, I don't, I don't know, like, as I said last time, to be fair, uh, the reality is this, that maybe someday someone's going to listen to this message that we're doing here, and when they think of a mean person, maybe you or I are going to come to mind as the mean person that they know. I don't know. Because we can be mean too, and that's just, that's just the reality of it. And normally, I, in, in, in sessions that we do here at church, we talk about mean people. Normally, we focus on how to become better people. Uh, but in this really short series that we're doing, we're really going to uh, be talking about more specifically about how to respond, uh, what to do to mean people in our lives, and, um, and not just the people who bug us, because we all have people that bug us, but I'm talking about the people that you would kind of classify as mean, okay? So, um, and again, I, I think that today we're really going to focus zero in on how we're going to respond, uh, because I, I think it's important that if we don't learn to respond correctly, like we talked about last time, uh, we will start to become like those people. And we'll, we'll start to be like the people that we don't even like. Like, we'll start to become the mean person because we respond incorrectly. They start to gain more control in our lives. They start to have, you know, more influence on us. And, and it just makes us meaner, and it's a bad cycle. So, um, uh, and, and so here's what we're going to look at. Last time we were talking about this, we, we discussed this. We discussed a couple of responses. We said there's three responses, one, two, three. The first response we talked about last time we were together on this is we could get even with people. That's, that's I think, the most common, <coughs> excuse me, this would probably be the most expected response. When someone's mean to us, we get even with them. We get back at them. 
uh, you know, do unto others as they did unto us. That's kind of our rule. Uh, but again, when, when we do that, when we get even, again, we become like them. And so we become like people that we don't even like. We become like people that we actually dislike. Uh, the second option that you could do is we could ignore mean people. Um, I don't know. I think we kind of concluded that's just not realistic because no matter how much you want to try to ignore someone, what happens? They just keep chipping away, right? And they keep having more influence, they keep having control, and you can't ignore it. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, but experienced someone that's done something mean to you or said something mean or, or had control over you in a mean situation, and even though you tried to ignore them, you stayed up all night and like a movie that played in your brain, it just kept going over and over and over again, and you couldn't be done with it, right? You just couldn't get over with it. So ignoring them just isn't really a, a realistic thing. And, and part of that problem, why you can't ignore them, and we talked about this, is that when people are mean to you, uh, and they're con consistently mean to you, it's kind of like someone pushing you. You know, they give you a shove, and whoa, you're kind of off balance for a little bit, you know, when you kind of get shoved, and, and you have to kind of compensate or overcompensate to try to get your balance back. And so, if you try to ignore them, it's like you've been pushed. And you're, you know, you could try to ignore the person that they pushed you all day long, but the bottom line is, whoa, I'm going to fall over. You, know, you still have to compensate, and you still got to regain your balance. So, so, getting even really isn't an option. Trying to ignore them really isn't an option. And so, today we're going to look at the third one, uh, a one, one that, that Jesus modeled uh, and Jesus talked about. And as a matter of fact, there's a lady in the New Testament that we're going to talk about today. Uh, some of you know her name. Some of you don't know her name. She's kind of a character. Maybe you don't know her. But her name is Abigail. And Abigail is going to teach us today a third response to dealing with mean people. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, let's, let's hop into our story. And uh, I guess i got to bring you up to date because we, we didn't do this last week. It's been two weeks. Uh, the story is about a guy named David. And uh, those of you that grew up in Sunday school, you remember the guy named King David. A lot of you remember King David. A lot of you remember Shepherd Boy David, right? We remember Shepherd Boy David. We remember Shepherd Boy David that one day went out and, and, and was, was told to take care of this, this uh, giant, and his name was right, right, Goliath, and he took a sling, right, and he killed Goliath, right. And so we kind of know the Shepherd Boy David, and then we know King David, but between Shepherd Boy and King, there's a very long period of time in his life that we don't like to talk about too much. It's fugitive David. It's, it's David that was on the run for his dear life. You see, after he killed Goliath, he became a national hero. He was really skilled at what he was doing, and everyone loved David, and it was just he was great. The king at that time, his name was Saul, and so Saul said, well, let's keep David here close to me. Just keep an eye on him. <laughs> and then one day it kind of occurs to Saul, oh, there was this prophet that a few years ago actually you know, anointed him to be the next king. Well, that doesn't work in my plan because I'm the king. And now he's the king. And now my son Jonathan's supposed to be the king. But if he's the king, then I'm not the king. My dynasty won't live. So I think what I'll do is I'll just kill this guy. So Saul ends up pursuing David actually for a good number of years, trying to kill him. David decides he's going to run for his life. He runs for his life. And, and he's, he's obviously been burned by King Saul, right? Uh, he collects with them these other kind of fugitives that are out there, these other guys and, and their wives and the girlfriends, and he ends up getting about 600 guys, 
it's like a small army that are all fugitives on the same page with him. Uh, and they've, of course, got their wives and, and the families and all their stuff, and they're just kind of roaming out there in the desert. And so uh, uh, David's been kind of on the run here. And this is a tough story and a tough situation because David is a really tough guy, okay? Think about that, living out there in the desert and, and, and just on the run for your life, you know, and you're eating whatever comes by. I, I'm always amazed with the concept of 600. How do you feed 600 plus wives, 600 plus, you know, the kids? Six, I mean, how do you feed 1,200 people? How do you get water for that? How, how do you take care of the animals? I mean, it's just a huge undertaking. So he's pretty much got the small army, and, and he's a fugitive. Let's pick up in 1 Samuel, which is in the Old Testament. Uh, this is the, the, the biography of what happened here. 1 Samuel chapter 25, look at verse 2. Uh, and there was a man in uh, Moan whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great and had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Verse 3. Now the name of this man was Nabal. So here's our other character. So we have David the fugitive, and then we have this guy Nabal who's very wealthy. And it's kind of like, imagine kind of like the end of the year, kind of like this time of the year for us, where we like to kind of, you know, you look back over your, you know, those of you in business or business owners, you look over your books and your profit and loss and your balance sheet, you know, where was it, how did we do, oh, we did pretty good, or oh, we did pretty bad. Well, he's got, you know, all these sheep and all these goats, and it's time for, you know, shearing of the sheep, and so it's kind of like, well, how many live this year? How do we do? And we're going to sell the, you know, we're going to shear the sheep, we're going to sell all the furs and all that kind of stuff, uh, sheep skins and all that junk, and, and, and we're going to get rich because this is what we do every year, and this is how we find out how good our, 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 our livestock has been. And so um, uh, Nabal's kind of in a really good position. It's a payday for him, but you have to remember Nabal is a guy who literally, his, his name literally means harsh, it means mean, which is how I got the title of the series, Mean People and What to Do About Them. So David hears about the fact that Nabal is going to get payday, and David remembers, hey, all of his shepherds were out in the field, and all of my guys were out there in the field too, and we watched over his sheep. We protected his sheep. We protected his livestock. We didn't take them. We didn't steal anything. Matter of fact, we kind of stood off in the distance, and we made sure that, you know, that Nabal's crops and everything and his livestock was okay. Truth be known, we ought to get a little kickback from this because we are kind of like security forces for him. And so David sends a bunch of his guys like 10 guys, to go to Nabal and say, hi, Mr. Nabal, uh, just wanted to remind you, you can check with your people, uh, we protected you, we watched over your sheep, you probably weren't aware of it, but talk to your guys, we didn't steal anything, there's 600 of us, plus our wives, uh, and we could have ate all your sheep and all your goats, but we didn't touch any of them, we protected you. Today's payday, it's probably only fair if you have a little extra money to help us out and, and take care of us too, okay? So, uh, kind of an interesting little scenario. So, the ten guys come back, we talked about this last week, and, um, and they come back to, to David and say, David, you know, this is what he says, and, and David says, what does he say? And, well, Nabal basically said, who? Who's David? Oh, the fugitive David? Oh, the crook? Oh, David, the guy that left his master is now like, you know, on the dark side, you know, he's now a fugitive. Ah, eh, who cares about this David? Oh. First Samuel chapter 25 Verse 10, you can kind of just see it there. Nabal answered David's servants said, who is this David? <laughs> Go down to verse 13. So when David hears this, verse 13, and David said unto his men, gird ye on every man a sword, 
And they girded on every man a sword, and David also girded on his sword. David puts on his sword and says, all right, there's going to be some payback time. You don't talk to me that way, and we're going to take care of this. So David gets on a sword. We talked about this last week. You remember where David got a sword from, right? Well, he kind of took it from a priest, but where was the sword originally from? This is the sword that, that was Goliath's sword, right? This is a sword that reminded David that he doesn't have to fight his own battles, okay? That God's in control. So David straps on his sword and, and takes about 400 of the guys. They hop on, on horseback. They head down into the mountains of Carmel. And, and <laughs> there's a little bit of an overreaction. Remember I said at the beginning, when someone's mean to you, it's kind of like they push you and sometimes you overreact. David's about right to have a massacre. This is an overreaction. There's one Nabal and all of his guys, and there's 400 Davids. <laughs> David and all of his fugitives, and they are going to go along, and uh, they're not quite 100% sure they're supposed to be doing this. We saw that last week, but they're going to take care of this. Go down to verse 21. Let's see what David was thinking when he's riding his horse down there. Now David said, surely in vain I have kept all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So this has just been useless. I've been trying to take care of him, been trying to help, I've been trying to do good here, and all I get here is evil. I did something good, and Nabal's repaying me with evil. Okay, come on guys, all 400 of you, let's go. Verse 22. So, and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light. So, in other words, he says this. He brings God into the equation. You know how we like to do that sometimes when we're upset? Like, well, God help me, you know, or I prayed about it, you know. Basically, David says this. All right, God's my witness and God help me. By tomorrow morning, Nabal and all of his men and all of his, his kids, the male kids, they're all gone, right? I'm going to massacre. I'm going to wipe them out. So help me, God. And I know God's with me, right? I mean, I prayed about it, right? I mean, God's going to help me on this, right? So, okay. So that's, that's kind of where we started to leave the story. And, and, and I guess if we kind of left the story right there, you'd be like, wow. So David, let's just think about this for a minute, guys. Let's think. So David, this guy didn't share with you, and now you're going to go and kill his whole family? <laughs> there, is there a little bit of an over, like, off-balance, overreaction? Yeah, I think so. Although some of us, you know, we like the action, right? We're kind of like almost cheering for David, like, David, David. You know, this is exciting. But this is a huge over. David, he just didn't share with you. And this is the kind of response. So he's, he's riding along in his horse, and, and he's upset, and he's upset because King Saul's after him. He's been a fugitive. And, and here's where we pick up, okay? This is where the story picks up. Um, uh, we're going to be introduced to this lady named Abigail, all right? So all that's review. Here we go. Let's talk about this lady named Abigail. Uh, uh, verse 14. So one of the young men told Abigail, this is Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, and she, he's telling her the story. David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he, he railed on them. Verse 15. But the men were very good unto us, and they were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them uh, when we were in the fields. Verse 16, they were a, a wall unto us, both by night and day, and, uh, and all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. So they, they helped us. Verse 17, now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. Remember, he's talking to Nabal's wife, Abigail. For evil is determined against our master and against all of his household. <laughs> And I kind of envision, and this is me thinking, this, this guy who's telling Abigail this, 
he probably kind of leans over to her right now, you know, just, well, for he's such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. I mean, your husband's a jerk, you know that, right? I mean, <laughs> of course, I'm not going to say that out loud, but I kind of envision these kind of whispering that, you know, no one can even talk to this guy. So verse 18, then Abigail makes haste. So she says, all right, boom, we got to do something. And she takes 200 loaves and two bottles of wine uh, and five sheep already dressed and five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on the asses or on the donkeys. So how many of you are familiar with a food truck? Do you guys like food trucks? Okay, so don't think of this as a food truck. Think of like this as like a donkey truck, okay? So they didn't have food trucks, but he loads up all these donkeys with all this stuff, and they, okay, here we go. We're going to go on the trail, and we're going to meet the 400 people that are coming after us to kill us, right? And, and she's a smart thinker, you know? <laughs> she's got the food going there, and she's thinking this. So there's, there's all this, this bread and the cakes and the wine, and she loads them up. She's got 400 men that she's got to feed, <coughs> and, and she's, she's saying to her servants, let's do this. Look at verse 19. And she says unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. Wow, she's just so smart. You know, she's, she's going to do this here and doesn't tell Nabal about it. David's coming down with all the men and they're, David's building up a head of steam. You ever do that? You know, you're on your way to work. You ever have that? You know, and you know you're going to have that talk with that employee or that talk with that boss or that coworker or your friend or your relative or wait till I talk to my mother-in-law. You know, and, and you're building up that whole head of steam on the whole way to their house and man, I'm, I got this and you got all. That's what David's doing. He's on the horse and he's riding down and he's just thinking that. That's what the Bible says. He's just thinking, man, I did this. I protected them and I did it. And this is how he pays me back and I'm going to do this. You know, he's got this whole thing. Just His whole brain is, is working. Verse 20. And so it was, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the, co uh, the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her. And she met them. So, so what does he see? So David sees this caravan of, of donkey trucks, <laughs> food, food donkeys, uh, and, and in the front of this beautiful woman, you know, the Bible says that she's a beautiful woman, it says that, and, and what does this do to David? <laughs> well, all the men in this room know exactly what it does to David. It totally messes with his mind. There's this moment of like, you know, you know all the static going on, you know, and, and he's got this perfectly lined up speech, and I'm going to teach Nabal a lesson, I'm going to teach it, and he was mean to me, and I'm going to teach him how it was, and I'm going to show him who's boss, and this beautiful woman shows up with all this food, and it's just there, and it's just like, you know, you ever have that? Like, you're ready to tell the boss, I'm going to tell the boss something, I'm going to tell teach, on the way to the boss's office. You know, you're walking by the, up to the boss's office and someone shows up and, you know, hey, Pastor Dan, you want a fresh donut? And you're like, well, okay, you know, eat the donut. And it's just like, you know, your whole mind changes. Or, or you're ready to, you know, I'm just going to tell my family. I'm just going to teach them. I'm going to say just the right words. And I'm going to get revenge. And, and I've got, got the perfect snide remark. And the way to talk to that person, you know, someone comes up and it's out of the blue. They apologize. And you're like, like... You ruined the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I was all ready to do this, and it just, and now you just don't even, I don't even know what to do right now. It's like, how do I respond, you know? Uh, and so, and so this is what happens to David, and he's got all this time, and he's got all these guys behind him, and he's, he's in this bad mood. Verse 23, and when Ab Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. Now, this is just really a powerful passage here, guys. She, she really begins to speak to David, and I want you to listen to what she says. Ladies, ladies, you can learn. 
an awful lot from what Abigail is going to say because she's talking to David, listen, and talking to him in the way of what she wants him to become, okay? This is who I want you to be. Now, just listen to what she says and how she says it. It's kind of like a Jedi mind trick right here. Verse 24, and fell at his feet and said, and, and said upon me, my Lord, upon me, let, let this iniquity be, and let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thy handmaid. Now, ladies, again, just take note of this. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it, listen, it just works on us guys, even when we know what you're up to. It just works. It, it's kind of like, you know, when you say, you know, honey, you know, you're so patient with the kids. I am? Yeah, you are. Yeah, it just works, you know. It's like, honey, you know, you're, you're such a good planner. I just, I can't wait to see what you do for my birthday. <laughs> I, I am a good planner? Yeah, you're such a good planner. I am. Yeah, I am. Verse 25. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. <laughs> we know he's a mean guy. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thy handmaid, saw not the young man of my Lord, whom thou is a sin. So, so she falls on the ground, and, and she's like, pardon me, you know, I just want to let you know, don't pay attention to my husband. You know, his name is fool, folly goes with him, and, 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 and you're not wrong about my husband being a jerk. I mean, you're right, he, he's, he's a jerk, you know, but... But I wasn't there. I didn't hear. I didn't hear this. I would have stopped him. You know, I would have done this, but I didn't know about this. Verse 26. Now therefore, my Lord, as, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself of thine own hand, now let thy enemies and, and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. So she's saying, you know, well, since the Lord, you know, has kept you from bloodshed and, and the Lord's kept you from avenging yourself with your own hands, David's like, he did? You know, and she probably sees the sword, you know, it's on, on his back, you know, and he's like, the, the Lord avenged me from doing this? He, oh, he did? You know, she's like, yeah, you know. And, and David, you're, you're not that type of person that, that you would avenge yourself on some defenseless guy. David's like, I, I, no, I wouldn't do that. That's not me. You know, that, no, yeah. And, and then, and then she, she kind of gives him this credit and saying, you know, you're such a great person. And verse 27, and now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto the Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. And this just totally like melts David's plans. You know, you're, you're going you're gonna to just, how can you justify slaughtering and pillaging when I'm going to bring you all this food and take care of you? You know, you just can't do this. Verse 28, I pray thee, Forgive the trespass of thy handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. He will? Because the Lord fights the battles, uh, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. He does? And even hath not been found in, in the all thy days. You know, like David, you know, the Lord fights your battles. He does? You know, and you don't have to do it. Oh, okay. Verse 29. Yet a man has risen to pursue thee. She's talking about Saul. And to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. Pause there for a second. It's kind of like saying, that's kind of like saying, like God's wallet. If you can kind of, like, let's kind of read that again. But the soul of my Lord, or your life, your protection of your life, shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. It's like saying, like, you're protected, like, you're buried in God's wallet. 
It'd be like saying this. It's like you're protected like in a wallet that's in the bottom of like a woman's large purse. Like no one can get to it. You can't find it. It's in there, but, but you're protected. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out and out of the middle of a sling. And she's kind of going back to the whole David and Goliath thing. It's like, don't no, David, just like you did that and took care of, you know, you, you did, you know, God did that, right? Well, David, you know, God's going to put those enemies of yours, put them in a sling and you know, and it's going to be fine, and you're going to be okay. God's going to take care of you, you know, and, and, and she takes him back to that whole thing and, and re, kind of reminds him about the whole story about Goliath and, and reminds him about the whole fact that God took care of him and reminds him about the fact that God, God's the one that fights your enemies. God will hurl them away, take care of it. D- David, don't forget that God's faithful, okay? That's what she's alluding to. That same God that took care of you, right, with the sling, he's still there today, he, and, and, and don't forget that. And he, God came to your rescue. God defended you. And that's still God's there still today. And you don't have any reason to return evil for evil, David. Because there's still a God in heaven. The same God still cares for you. And the Lord's going to be with you. And look what she says down in verse 30. And I think she really, she starts to ask this question that we mentioned last time we were here. Look what she says. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord, according to all of that the good that hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord avenge himself. But the Lord shall have dealt with my Lord. Then remember thy handmaid. So basically she's saying this, David, when this is all over, you know, when it's all done, when it's finished, what story are you going to tell, David? When this is over, and you look back at this five years from now, ten years from now, David, what, what story are you going to tell about that time when you were a fugitive and this guy Nabal didn't share with you? What, what story are you going to tell? What, what, what story do you want your grandchildren and what story do you want the future generations to know about how you dealt with this person that didn't share with you? Because remember, Dave, God fights your battles, the Lord fights your battles. Verse 32. And I think David here kind of comes to his senses. He kind of calms down. And David says to Abigail, now look, this is so cool. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice. And blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hands. David's basically saying this. Abigail? You had good judgment. I didn't have good judgment. I'm thanking God for your good judgment. And how your good judgment intersected with me today has kept me from doing things that I regret. Kept me from making decisions and, and shedding blood and avenging myself that someday, someday it'll just be a story that I'll tell someone. And you, you, you're keeping it from being a bad story. So I'm thankful to God for your wisdom in my life. Now, now think about that just for, just think. We all, and myself included, we all need an Abigail in our life. Sometimes in our lives, huh, a lot of times in our lives, we need an Abigail to come up and when we're, we're ready and we've got those fighting words and we're ready to go and we're ready to, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to say this. We need an Abigail with some wisdom and some calm demeanor to say, time out just a second. Can you pause for just a second? 
Uh, how is this going to play out? How is this going to look like? Is this really worth the battle? Is this really worth the fight? Is this a, a right choice you're making? Is this a right decision you're making? Should you really go there? Why don't you do it this way instead of that? Why Maybe this is the way you should, should act or react. And, and, and we need to have an Abigail in our life that gives wisdom to us that we could at the end of the day say, God, thank you for someone stepping in my life, that Abigail stepping in my life, and, and, and someone that actually has the permission to develop and to get into our life a little bit. Uh, well, let's think about that. Do, do you have an Abigail that is allowed to speak to you on those terms and actually confront you on things and actually discuss with things that you allow? Sometimes, listen, church, let me say this. I do a lot of counseling. If you can't be corrected, listen very carefully. If you can't be corrected without being offended, if you can't be corrected without being offended, you will never grow in your life, okay? If every time someone wants to correct you or lean into you a little bit or, hey, you got a minute? Can I, can I just talk to you for a second about something I saw or something I heard? And every time someone goes to talk to you, you're defensive and just, it's not my fault, it's that person's fault, and it's that person's fault, and it's my mom's fault, and it's my mother-in-law's fault, and it's my husband's fault, it's my wife's fault, oh, it's the pastor's fault. We all know it's the pastor's fault, all right? Just get used to it. Everything is the pastor's fault, right? We got that, you know? But, but, but you blame everybody. No, it's not my kid's fault, it's the teacher's fault. You know, it's the Christian school's fault. It's everyone else's problem. Listen, if someone can't lean into you and try to help you, you have got a really big problem in your life, and, and you're never going to grow. Do, do, does the fur on the back of your neck stick up when someone comes and talks to you about something? I mean, do you just, you know, I'm just going to, is that you? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You ought, to, you ought to let people lean into you a little bit and help you grow. Uh, we all struggle with that. I struggle with that growing up. I still struggle with that. But I have, I have a lot of pastors that, that have full carte blanche to lean into me. And they lean into me about how I raise my kids. They lean into me about how I spend my money. They lean into me about, about how I run this church. And, and, and there's, there's some pastors that they, they can say anything. And, and I just have already committed that I just I don't strike back and make excuses and blame. And it's just like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's okay. A little hard to swallow that. A little hard to take that pill. But I thank God that you have the wisdom and that you helped me. Okay? I thank God for the wisdom he gave you and that you were able to help me. And, and this is what Abigail does. And she shows up and, <clears throat> and, and she helps David out. And, and I, I, well, I tell you this. I think this. What, what if David hadn't listened to Abigail's advice right here? What, what if? What would, that, what, what would this story have looked like? It would have really been different. And, Ab, you know, and David took out a sword and chopped off her head and kept going and slaughtered all of Nabal. That's how the story would have ended, right? I mean, just imagine how that would have been. I, I, think, I think for David it would have been a huge regret. That I, I'll say this too, from all the, the years of counseling that I'd done and continue to do. I think some of the greatest regrets that we've had could have been avoided if we would have just listened to people in our lives. If we would have listened to our spouse, if we would have listened to our challenge leader at RU, if we would have listened to our pastor, if we would have listened to one of the deacons or elders in the church, if we would have listened to our prayer partner, if we would have listened to some friend that just came up. And here, Abigail, David doesn't know Abigail from, from, from Adam at this time, and she comes up and she just leans into his life and he listens. Sometimes God just brings strangers in our life to give us some input. And I think some of our greatest regrets would have been avoided if we just learned to just listen and say, God, maybe that was from you. Maybe I should listen. 
And, and I'm and there in the story, thankfully, Abigail did say something, and, and she does speak to David, and she does kind of tell him what the future could look like and, and what it should look like. So let's, let's go back to our story, though, because we, I was tempted to end the, end the message right there. I was. I was, gonna tempt, I was just going to say, I'm done with the story, and let's close in prayer and go home. But it's like the rest of the story, I'll be honest, the rest of the story ends like a storybook. It's just so unbelievable. <laughs> I, we have to just finish it because it's so cool. Look at verse 36. So Abigail leaves, right? Verse 36. And Abigail comes to Nabal, goes back to Nabal. And behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry from within, uh, within him, for he was very drunken. Uh, wherefore, she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning. So I'm uh, just going to leave him. You know, he's drunk. Verse 37. But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, so he got off his hangover, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. So, so she, she waits until the morning, because he's, you know, I don't want to get this guy mad, and, and, and he's just, you know, whatever. So I'm going to wait till daybreak, and I'm going to talk to him. And, and here's what she doesn't say. Abigail doesn't say, Nabal, you owe me big time. <laughs> I just saved your hide, dude. She doesn't say that. She doesn't have that attitude like that. She just says, you know, this is kind of what happens, and, and this is kind of the thing, and, and she just kind of waits, and, and that next day in verse 38, and then it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord, the Lord spoke, smote Nabal, and he died. So 10 days later, the Lord strikes Nabal, and he dies. And, and this is where the story began ending, and this is just so unbelievable. Look at verse 40. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take, them, uh, to take thee uh, to him to be his wife. And, and they go down to verse 42. This is like unbelievable. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass and five damsels of hers that went after her, and she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. This, this, this is just how it happened back in those days. It's like so unbelievable. And then, and then if you were to keep reading, it says this. And then they lived happily ever after the end. And that's just how it, like, it finishes right there. And you're like, I just can't believe this is the way that the story ends. It's just unbelievable. Okay, I made that part up. But, uh, but they do get married. And, and, and let's do a quick review, and then we'll be done. Okay? Who's our characters? Well, let's just talk about this, and let's wrap it up, and let's be finished. Our first character, of course, is Nabal, all right? We discussed this last time. Nabal does evil for good. You took care of me. I'm not helping you out. Evil for good. Our second character is David. David does evil for evil. And this is what we all want to do. This is our normal, this is like the normal default. This is what we do. Evil for evil. You talk to me like that. All right, I'm taking care of you, okay? And that's just not a good thing. And, and, and that's just the natural thing. And I'll pause here on this. Let me just say this. For those of you here that aren't a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you never trust in Christ as your Savior, that, then you, you can pretty much go down that path and just live that path because you're pretty much the captain of your own soul. It doesn't matter. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, and, and, and you're a Christian that wakes up every day and you pray, dear God, I want to be a follower of you. Dear God, would you show me how to live? Dear God, would you help me be a good husband or a good wife or a good parent? Dear God, would you help me be a good employee? You, you can't end it with here. You, you, you can't, because Jesus always calls us to do something bigger and better, right? So who's our third character? Well, our third character, as we know, is Abigail. And Abigail does good for evil. So we have Nabal who does evil for good, 
David who does evil for evil, and then we have Abigail who does good for evil. Take, take a look at this, and this is kind of a way to kind of parse it down. Nabal, who does evil for good, this is maniacal. He's, this is just what you do. You do evil for good things. People do good to you, you do evil. That's just what a maniacal person does. David does what's predictable. This, this is what we all do. But Abigail, she's different. Abigail does good for evil, and this is what? Remarkable. It's just unbelievable. I can't believe she did this. I think church is a Christian. I think we've got to stop sometimes and realize that as Christians, this is what God calls us to do. This is what God calls us to be, is to be remarkable. He does, we, we shouldn't be like the world that's just out of control and wild and just maniacal and just you know, hell-bent on raising hell, okay? That shouldn't be us. But we also shouldn't be people that are just predictable. Well, of course, they did this to you. You should return that back to them. I mean, right? That's a, God calls us to be totally different. I don't want you to be like the world. I don't want you to do what the world does. I don't want you to do what's expected. I want you to do something that's totally unpredictable. I want you to be remarkable. And why is that? Well, pause for a second. Just think. As a Christian, we know that what? We know that God did remarkable for us, right? We know this verse here, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, right? God gave good for the evil that we did. That, that's this remarkable thing. He didn't give evil for evil, right? He didn't give evil for good. Take a look at Romans chapter 5, 8. Look at this verse. But God commendeth his love toward us in that, this is remarkable, church, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet evil, Christ died for us. Praise God. God did good to us while we were being evil. Amen, church? Amen. And that, that's remarkable. So as a Christian, as a Christian, we're called to emulate Jesus. We're called to be like Christ in every way. We're called to, to, to do what Jesus would do. You know, the wristbands, what would Jesus do? Well, well, this is what Jesus would do. He would do the remarkable thing. He would do the good to someone on purpose that's done only evil. That's what he's done. That's what he, call, he calls us to be like him. Now, I want you to think about this, and I want you to, let's, just, let's just think about this for a moment. What would that look like for you to be remarkable? If you thought of a mean person in your life, someone who's done mean to you, someone who just hasn't been that fair to you, someone who hasn't said the right thing to you, what would it look like for you to return that evil with good? What, 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 and I, maybe you can't, maybe, I, you know, man, there's no way. But instead of getting even, instead of ignoring it, you say, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do good back to someone who's done evil. I'm not just going to tolerate it. I'm not going to ignore it. But I am on purpose going to go show love to what God's done. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. We saw this last time we were together. And this is the words of Jesus. This is him saying it. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Church, uh, that's just not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion from our Heavenly Father. It's not a suggestion from Jesus. It's not just a good idea. It's a commandment. When someone does bad to you, when someone is evil to you, your response as a Christian is to do good to them on purpose. 
I don't, I don't even know. That's such a hard thing to even comprehend sometimes. And you say, say, well, pastor, maybe I'll pray about it. I don't know. I have a hard time just praying for people who treat me well, let alone people that treat me bad. But, but I don't know. But Jesus is saying, listen, I, I, when, 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 when they do to you what they've done to you, I want your response be, you know, to be like what Jesus would do, and that would be to be good. And, and if you were to keep reading on this passage of Matthew, we won't look at it now, but if you keep reading on, he actually says, he actually says that, that when you do this, you're being like your heavenly father because that's what your heavenly father would do. You know, I want to be like Jesus. Here you go. This is it. You want to be like Jesus? Then do this, right? Because that's what your heavenly father would do. That's what, that's what, that's what Jesus would do. That's what God the Father would do. So, so what would that look like in your life if you had someone that was mean to you, someone that frustrated you, someone that you just like, man, you know, uh, they just drive you crazy, would it actually change them? I don't know. Think for a moment. Did it change Nabal? No, it didn't change Nabal. He died. Story goes on. Who did it change? It changed David. It changed David. David's the one that, whose life changed because of it. So, uh, we left you with four questions last time. Let's look at them. Parents, deal with these with your children. Talk with these with your children. The four questions I had you look at last time were this. Uh, do, do you even want to be even with someone that you don't even like is even the answer? Wouldn't you rather just be ahead? Yeah, I'd rather be ahead. Well, that's not the normal thing, but I think you'd rather be ahead. You know, that would be the, the better way to go. And then how about this one? What story do you want to tell when, when it's all over and the whole thing's done? Five years from now, what story do you want to tell about how people were mean to you and how you responded, Right? And then this one is what we really talked about today. This is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, this is really the tension point. What would it look like to return good for evil? In your life, in your situation, what could that look like? Maybe you can't do it. Maybe you'll never do it. But can I encourage you just to think about it? In that moment, in that situation, you teach your children, instead of getting back, instead of getting even, they'll just ignore them. What would it look like for me to do good in exchange for the evil? What would that look like? And is that something I could even do? I think if we just at least ask ourselves that question, think about it, pray about it, I think even at that moment, we're starting to be more and more like Christ because in that moment, Matthew says, that book of Matthew, you're, you're more like your father in heaven because he gave his son for you and he told us to return good for evil. And for every one of us in every different situation, that's a different story, okay? But it's something we can pray about. So what to do about mean people? What to do about mean people? I think we pray and take a real serious look. How can I return good to this person who's done me evil? I think that's just the, that's the first question we ask. How can I return good to this person who just does me evil? And you pray about that. And you see what God lays in your heart to do or not to do, and you take it from there. Okay, is that fair enough? Is that good? Okay, aren't you thankful, though, that God didn't repay evil for evil? <laughs> aren't you glad that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay our sin debt? Aren't you glad you don't have to work for it? And that'd be an amazing thing. God loves you so much that you have to prove your goodness to him, to, for him to accept you. No. He said, no, no. When God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, he said, here, it's a gift. My son's going to die on the cross. He'll pay the debt. You don't have to. All I'm asking from you is not to do good back to me. I'm asking you just to believe that, to accept the fact that I did good on your behalf even when you were evil, while you were yet a sinner my son, Jesus Christ, died for you. Would you accept the fact that I did that for you? Would you accept the fact that he paid that debt for you? And God says, you're part of my family forever. You don't have to pay it back. You can't. And if you did pay it back, 
then that would be returning, you know, good for good, you know. <laughs> you know, we can't pay it back. It's impossible. A matter of simply trusting the fact that Christ died on the cross and paid your sin debt. That's the good news of the gospel. All right, we're positively out of time. Let's close with a word of prayer and we'll be done today. Lord, we're thankful for our study today. We all have mean people. We're all going to run into mean people. Lord, as parents, we need to be teaching our kids how to respond to mean people. Lord, again, we're not talking about people doing things illegal. We're not talking about uh, abuse. We're not talking about that kind of stuff that, that's illegal. We're talking about just people that just, they're just mean. That's just the way it is. Help us to be more like you. Lord, maybe there's someone today that thought they had to be baptized or join a church or they had to do some good to gain entrance into heaven. But Lord, we see from the Bible, it's not us doing a good thing. It's us simply believing. It's accepting by faith that Christ did the good work so we don't have to. He, he paid the debt so we don't have to. It's by grace that we're saved through faith and it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Maybe someone's trusting you as Savior today. Ask that you'd give them a special blessing in their life Help them to, to grow, help them to come back to church, to learn more about you. And uh, Lord, what a special day it is today. They know for certain that we're going to heaven. We pray all these things in your name we ask. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.